Hey, this is Ryan Miller. I'm the lead pastor of Local City Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope this talk encourages you, inspires you, and reminds you that there is always hope. That this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the message. I got to be honest, Local City, I'm really excited for the message this morning. As I was preparing uh, for these talks this morning, uh, I was just I just really encouraged because I believe it's something that we all need to hear. Last week with Pastor Wayne, we started a collection of talks called Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. And Pastor Wayne talked about how God has prepared a feast for us in the presence of our enemies. And one of the best ways we can realize who we are is remembering what God has done and remembering who God is. If you missed last week, I would definitely encourage you to go listen to it, not just for the good truths that are in it, but because he gives testimonies of what, again, your generosity is doing in building churches across the world in Kenya, where he is located, building actual physical houses of worship where people who have been meeting under a tree can actually gather within four walls, and your God generosity makes that happen. But if you want to get your notes out today, I always encourage us as a church, we're a note-taking church. Why? Because we have fun, we laugh, we're going to be inspired today during the message, but we need this stuff tomorrow, and we need to remember it tomorrow, and we need to hold on to the truths that God has given us so that we don't have to try and figure these things out on our own. God's given us some clear direction. So today, the title of the message is this, This collection is called, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table, where today's question is, is the enemy already at your table? Is the enemy at your table, your table of life, your table of existence and purpose and relationship? Is the enemy at your table? Because we got to get rid of him, because he does not want to be, we don't want him there. Because he has nothing but destruction for you and I. Just to let you know that there is an enemy out there who wants to completely destroy your life and to completely misguide you, to completely turn you away from the things of God, to confuse you and hurt you. I'm so thankful for these things that we call circles at Local City. They are our small groups where we say, Sundays we're in rows, but Monday through Saturday we gotta get in circles. And if you're not in a circle, Get in one this semester. It's not too late. Find one. Finally, after a sickness and hurricanes, our marrieds group was finally able to meet this past Thursday morning, and it was just so great to get together. It was so great to hang and talk about life, to talk about our kids and all those great things. But the video lesson that we did that night I thought was really appropriate for today because the teacher on that video lesson, the first thing he said was, if you were to describe Christianity in one word, what would it be? If you were to describe following Jesus in one word, what would it be? Now, some of us, if, you go, if you've been to local city for a while, you would probably say the word hope. It's on our wristbands. We say it, hope has a name, and that name is Jesus. Maybe for you, it's forgiveness or purpose or acceptance or family. Maybe if it's your first time in church in a while, maybe that word is religion or got to do what's right, right, or, or just follow the rules, things like that. Well, what he said was, if you were to describe, if he were to describe Christianity in one word, it would be a word that Pastor Joe even mentioned this morning, and that would be the word rest. Rest. To sit back and enjoy the things of God and rest in who he is. I can tell you, in my house, we need some rest right now. Our new baby is three weeks old today, which is great. We've made it three weeks. Woohoo! Very exciting. But I have a four and a half year old too, so I know there's some more trials and tribulations on the way. 
but when you have a baby, you know that sleep is something that, is de- that deprives you. It is gone for a little while, whether it's changing diapers or feeding the baby, whatever it may be. And so rest is an important thing. And I can think of no better way to remind myself this morning that the best place I can rest is at the table that God has for me. The best place I can rest is in the person of God. One of my favorite verses and chapters of Scripture is where what we're going to walk through over these next few weeks is Psalm 23. It's going to be up on the screen. Let's read it together. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. I'm going to read that one one more time. I'm going to read that one more time because I just want it to sink in, right, to get some roots in our hearts and minds and spirits today. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil, and my cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I, li- and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. If that sounds like good news to you, give me a good amen. Amen. There we go. Just so you know, if it's your first time, I like a lot of amens, excitement from the crowd just because we're having fun today in church. But I remember growing up memorizing this verse. I went to a private Christian school, and so we had what were called Bible memorization tests. We had to stand up in front of the class and spout off the Bible scripture. Now, as a kid, I hated it, but as an adult, I got all these verses now memorized, which is really helpful. And this, excuse me, this one's huge. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, hey, today you have all you need. That's good. Everyone sounds very excited, too. Hey, uh, he told me to say it, so you have all you need, all right? See you after service. <laughs> but we have all, sometimes we read this subconsciously. We read that and we're like, that sounds good. But on Monday, the way we read it is, I am my shepherd and I'm always in want. I am in charge and I'm always figuring out the next best thing that I need. Can I tell you to not say that anymore? And to not even think that anymore? And to surrender and rest in, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need? Now turn to the person again, tell them, hey, you have all you need, all right? You have all you need. There we go, there we go, yeah. Point the finger, you got all you need today, all right? And here's how I know that, is our little object lesson that we're gonna have out for the whole duration of these talks is this, I want you to write it down, is that see the table God has set for you, even in the midst of trouble. Now, here is God coming out and uh, and setting the table for us. He set, God sets the table for you, and then he makes sure he has, you can leave it on the tray, RJ, because it just, aesthetically, it looks nicer. Um, And then, uh, you know, he pours you a nice cup uh, to sit and enjoy time with him. Uh, One of the things that I I know, I, I try to buy Adrian flowers every couple weeks, little tip for you husbands out there, Publix, they're nice, 15 bucks, it's great. But I actually love flowers too now. I'm like, I'll buy them, buy them because I want the house to look nice. Thank you, God. Very nice. Give it up for RJ, everybody. Very nice. Thank you, God. Um, but God has set this table for us, and he's put some chairs around the table so that we can sit and enjoy the things that he has for us. And I want this to be not just a visualization for you. I want it to become truth in your hearts, that you can see the table that God has set for you. It's beautiful. It has what you need. And each week we're going to have a goal that once we realize that, I believe something can begin to happen and change in your life. And here's what I want to happen this morning before we pray and jump into the heart of the message, is I want you to cancel the lies that will wreck your life. I want you to cancel the lies that have begun to take root 
and grab a hold of you and drag you down and be free of those roots and chains and to be who God created you to be, the son and daughter that God created you to be rooted in the truth that he has for you. I think about, as I told you, I have two boys now, and one of the things I love doing just as a father is I love buying my kids gifts. Anybody just love buying your kids gifts out there, right? I just love it. Now, maybe I get too into it. Adrian's always like, they have too much stuff. Stop buying them things. I know, but I just love it. It's so exciting, right? And I've told you this before. One of the things that my son loves is the Disney cars from the movies, right? And we have to go, every time we go to Target, we have to go to that section, right? Well, just now on Disney Plus, they just released a whole new season and a whole new show called Cars on the Road, and they have all these on the road special edition cars. And so now, he already has hundreds, mind you. Now all these new ones show up, and he's like, okay, we gotta go get more. All right, buddy, I love you, let's go. And here's what happens every time. We always go with the rule, hey, you can get one. All right, you can get one car. And he does a good job following that rule. But here's what happens every time we get back to the car. I kid you not. He'll open up the car, be so excited for it for about 60 seconds, give or take. Maybe, maybe 70 seconds, right, if he's feeling good. And he'll look at it. But then he'll do the thing that I think we all do in our life when it comes to gifts that God's given us. He turns it over. And if you know anything about car toys, they have all the other ones that they offer. And so he begins to go down the line saying, well, I don't have that one. I don't have that one. I don't have that one. I don't have that. I know, buddy, but you have the one that's in your hands. You have the one that I just bought and gave you for free. Don't worry about the ones on the back. And I believe in all seriousness, we do that with God, where God's saying, hey, I've got this table for you, but we look out and turn the package over and say, but I don't have that, God, and I don't have that. But you do have this, and this is all you need right now. You have a seat, you have a table, you have truth that you can hold on to, and that's where we're going today. Come on, let's bow our heads and get ready for to receive from the Lord. Father, we thank you so much that you prepared a table for us. We want to unpack that table today. We want to learn these truths so we can cancel the lies that try to wreck our life. We love you, Lord. We thank you. In Jesus' name, once again, we all say amen. All right, so one of the things that I love about Psalm 23 is that it's written by a great authority figure in the Bible. We even talked about him earlier during worship, this guy by the name of David. David followed God very closely. David was someone who God believed in, who God trusted. He's the David from David and Goliath, if you know that story a giant killer, who said, this giant's not going to speak lies over God's people anymore. And if I have to be the one who's going to stand out with my little slingshot and knock him down and destroy him, that's what I'm going to do. Now, in those situations, we got to remember that David symbolizes Jesus in our life, right? That when those giants try to destroy us and speak lies over us, we can remind them that they've been defeated by Jesus. And David writes Psalm 23, this intimate chapter. He writes this when he's king, when he has everything. When he has the riches, when he has the glory, when he has the castle, when he has everything that he needs, but what does he go back to? What In those moments, what does he remind himself of? The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. David, before he was king, was a shepherd. He just cared for the sheep. He defended them from the lion and the bear. And out there, he wrote some of those beautiful worship songs that we're still singing today. And he wrote this beautiful chapter, this poem that we hold on to today, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all they, that I need. And we can lean into this today to realize the table that God has set for us. We can lean into this today to cancel those lies that try to wreck us. And the verse I want to lean into is Psalm 23, verse 5, that says this, 
you've prepared a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil, and my cup overflows with blessings. I love the idea of overflow. I love the idea of blessing. I love the idea that God has anointed us. I love that he's prepared something for us. I just want you to know that God is prepared for you. There is nothing that you can bring to God where he's like, woo, didn't expect that. That's a little too intense. I need you to stay, take a few steps back. You're coming on a little hot, all right? No, God doesn't do that. There may be people in our life that are like that. They're like, oh, I just feel like you're really unloading on me right now and I wasn't prepared for this. Uh, can we talk later, right? God's like, no, no, tell me more. I can handle it. What's all, tell me the deepest, darkest secrets, the deepest, darkest things that you've got going on, the biggest mistakes you've made. I'm prepared. I'm ready. You will never surprise God, which is a beautiful thing, to know that God is ready and willing and able to accept you, to care for you and love you, to prepare a table for you that you can sit at and receive all the good things that he has for you. He's prepared it. Here's what it doesn't say. God, when I'm good enough, I know you'll prepare something for me. God, when I've been to church enough, I know you'll prepare something for me. When I finally do this or do that or get my life back on track, God, then no. Right now, as broken as you are, maybe right now, as ridiculous as your life may seem right now, God has prepared something for you. And the enemy would want to do whatever it takes to blind you to that, to have you turn your back on it and convince you that God is not who he says he is. Can I encourage you today as not just a pastor, but as someone who's been broken for a long time and made a lot of mistakes, that one of the biggest things that I turn to in those dark times is remembering that the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need, and right now in this moment he has prepared a table for me a feast in the presence of my enemies come on we got to be thankful for that today the fact that God cares enough intimately about me to create a little table where I can sit and enjoy his presence but as I've said before it's really important to understand that we have an enemy in our life the appropriate name title don't give the enemy a seat at your table because there is an enemy who wants to destroy you. There is an enemy who wants to take you out. The disciple Peter, who followed Jesus but made a lot of big mistakes, realized it, and he wrote in his book, First Peter, that the enemy is like a lion hunting you to destroy you, to devour you. You ever seen those pictures of a lion like in the tall grass? You can't see it? Like, I'm colorblind. I can't see it at all, all right? Like, it merges in there. I'd be dead in an instant, right? Because that's what, that's, that's what they're designed to do. What well, tells us, and Peter reminds us, because he had betrayed Jesus. He had given in to religiosity and given in to performance and things that had separated him from Jesus. He said, hey, the enemy is trying to eat you and devour you and destroy you. So you got to be on guard. You have to. Write this down for me. It is so important to know your enemy. You have to know your enemy. In a, a, maybe a famous book written by a guy named Sun Tzu in The Art of War, he says that when you know your enemy and know yourself, your victory is that much more assured. When you know your enemy and know yourself, victory is assured for you. And I want you to know that I want to tell you today about who you are, but I also want to tell you about who your enemy is. Because if you know who your enemy is, you want nothing to do with him. When those lies come in, you're like, uh-uh, not today. Not today. Not today, Satan. Great song that we used to sing, right? And that's what we're going to do today. I want, really quick, I want, here's what I want to do. I want to give you six things. Six things that the enemy wants for your life, and I don't think any of us want these things. Number one is he wants you to doubt God. 
And as you write these things down, I'll, I'll list them real quick and then we'll break, break, break down each one. Number one is he wants you to doubt God. Number two, he wants you to live in fear. Number three, he wants you to feel insecure. Number four, he wants you to avoid church. Number five, he wants you to be led astray. And number six, he wants you to settle. I don't think any of us wake up and say, today is the day where I am going to feel insecure. Ah, oh, what a great affirmation. None of us do that. We don't want, oh, today is the day I am going to live afraid of everything. No, we don't want that. But that is what the enemy speaks to you and I every single day. Number one is the most important one that the enemy tries to get us to believe, and that's to doubt God. What is the first temptation in all of Scripture and all of existence? The enemy steps into Eve's life, the first for Adam and Eve, the first created humans. He steps into their life and says this, did God really say that? Is that really what God said? Mm, I don't think so. Because it sounds, you know, it sounds easier just to do this thing. And the enemy would want to encourage you to doubt God, to doubt his goodness, to doubt his faithfulness, to doubt his existence, to doubt the things that he has for you, to doubt that he knows better than we do, to doubt his love for us, to doubt that he actually does really care about the intimate details of our life, to doubt that he does have a table we can sit at and hear the name that he has for us and the family that he's brought us into. I would encourage you that, yes, doubts are a real thing, but they do not have to overtake our faith in Jesus and our faith in God because there's realities and foundational truths that we can hold on to. One of them is this thing I'm holding in my hand right now, God's word, how powerful it is. Do you know what I do when I, when, you know what one of my first things I do is when I begin to doubt God? I just open up scriptures like Psalm 23. I open up God's word and his promises to me and I remember, man, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. That, that, that nothing can separate me from the love of God. That I'm more than a conqueror through him who loved us. That I can trust in God, I don't have to lean on my own understanding and he will make my path straight. That God is my living hope who is alive. That for when I was still a sinner, Jesus died for me. That I can walk into the throne of grace boldly, knowing that I have a place in God's presence. See, what I learned now and as an adult, all those like little verses I was memorizing as a kid, now are my greatest weapons against the enemy. When he tries to get me to doubt God, I just rattle off scripture to him. And I remind him, hey bro, I'm not going to doubt God, I'm going to doubt you because guess what? You are doomed to die and def be defeated because of what Jesus has already done, so you don't have a place in my life. I am never, ever, ever going to doubt God in my life because he's the creator, I am not. He is the ultimate authority and I am not. I am never going to doubt Jesus because he has conquered death. I have not done that. But I can rest in him and have a relationship with him and take my seat at the table so I'm never going to doubt God. It's a temptation, it's difficult, but I actually have the choice to say, you know what, God, I am going to believe and trust you today. The second thing is this, is that the enemy wants you to live in fear. I, th I can think of no other thing that the enemy could use to destroy us more than when fear gets rooted in our heart. And a lot of times, you know, we, we, we grow out of, you know, again, I have a four-and-a-half-year-old son, so we're dealing with the fears of the dark and the fears of things like that. And we grow out of those things. Most of us do. But then these other, these other fears begin to take a hold of our life. Some of us, we, we fear being out of control of our life. Some of us fear so much tomorrow and the future that we can't just let go and enjoy today. Some of us, we're, we're so afraid of, of confronting our past that it, continue, it continues to be a prison for us. 
And the enemy would love nothing better for you to live in fear of every single day. I got to be honest, there was, fear in my, there was fear that I was dealing with when the hurricane was headed for us. I was like, I have a, a week old baby right now. Like, what am I supposed, uh, what can I do? And I, you got to feel those things, but it's in those moments where you have to choose to trust God and let the choices lead and the feelings will follow. That yes, I may feel afraid, but my choice right now is to trust in God who is bigger than I can possibly understand, who is bigger than any storm, who is bigger than any situation. And you know what? I'm choosing this. So feelings you can follow and fear you can stay behind. He wants you to live that way. I don't want you to live in fear. I want you to live courageously. Third thing is this. He wants you to feel insecure. That's a battle I've faced every day of my life is insecurity. Looking in the mirror and feeling like what I see is not enough. Just like with my son Shepard, looking at the back of the gift and saying, well, I don't look like that. I don't have those talents. I, don't have, I can't do that. I'm so insecure. I don't have any of these things. Comparison will rob you of joy quicker than anything else. And I've had to learn to get off social media and to get off Instagram because I could be having the best day ever. And then someone pops up my feed who like just lives on a boat out on a beach and just travels every day and they have passive income in the millions of dollars. They don't work or do anything, but somehow I'm like, why don't I have that? But it robbed my joy of enjoying the family that's right in front of me and enjoying the beautiful church that I get the privilege and honor of leading, missing out on the great blessings I have in front of me. I don't have to feel insecure about those things. I can feel secure in who I am because God does not make mistakes. And God does not create something with no value. And one of the greatest things that changed my life was people who would speak to me that, hey, you're a son of the king. You're a son of God who's been bought with a price because of Jesus. You don't have to walk through insecure anymore, but you can walk through confident, not in yourself, but in who Jesus is. Number four, it's a big one. The enemy would love nothing better than for you to avoid church, for you to stay away from what we're doing right now. Because he knows this is where you get invigorated to live your life. He knows this is where you find encouragement. He knows this is where you find community. He knows this is where you're going to experience God together in a group of people where you're going to lift your hands and worship, where you're going to pray for the needs of the house, where you're going to hear truth of God's word. The enemy would love nothing better than you to avoid the very thing that you need to exist and live and have the strength you need to keep going. Jesus gave his life for what you and I do with thousands of other churches every Sunday morning. Jesus gave his life for this, for the capital C church, and then an enemy would love nothing better for you to feel ashamed, for you to feel secluded, for you to feel like you don't need it, so that you would avoid the very thing that Jesus gave his life for, that you could walk in this place and find the strength and encouragement that you need. I got to be honest, I love church. I'll give my life for it, because it changed my life. Not some organization, but the body of Christ, the church, changed my life. And you cannot avoid it. I saw, uh, let's laugh it up a little bit. I saw this meme that I thought may maybe help you out. Here's what it says. It says this, the church, it's a little blurry because memes somehow are really tiny. <laughs> it says the church, got our zebras up there. Then we got this one lone zebra that says, I'm a Christian, but I don't need the church. And there's our lion, Satan, just ready to grab you. The enemy wants to isolate you, then he can defeat you. The enemy wants you to lag behind because then he's just one-on-one -on -one with you. You can't defeat the enemy by yourself. You need community and you need Jesus. You cannot do this on your own. That guy's future, I'm confident, is not going to be very good. But where you're, where you're protected, when you're in community, even when you feel weak, when you're in community, to be together around those. Let's keep going. So we've got fear, insecurity, doubting God, avoiding church. The fifth one, let's put it on the list again, is for you to be led astray, for you to wander, 
for you to be led astray by the voices of culture and our own personal voices and those voices that begin to lead us away from the truth of God. Again, the one who gets lost is the one who is on their own. But God wants you to understand, what does it say later on in Psalm 23? That your lamp is a light unto my path. What does that mean? Well, back then, they didn't have these big flashlights where they could shine, you know, hundreds of feet down the road. They had little oil lamps that they would hold like this, and it just showed them their next step and their next step. And that is what the Word of God, that is what the capital C Church, that's what prayer and worship can do for you, is to not show you the step 100, but it'll show you step one. It'll show you step two so that you're not led astray. And the last one is this. The enemy would love nothing better than for you to settle. For you to say, ah, oh, you know, this is, this, is, this is fine. This is fine. But my fear is, is that we will have, that my fear is that in our church we'll have people who know a lot about God but don't know God. We know a lot about what he's done and a lot about the things that he is, but we don't actually know him. Because knowing about him won't change your life. Knowing him will change your life. Knowing about my wife, Adrienne, doesn't do anything for our marriage. <laughs> I can know all the facts about her favorite food, favorite flower, birthday, but if I don't actually know her, there's no strength in the relationship. There's no strength to keep going and persevere. But it's when you sit down at the seat that has your name on it and begin to focus one-on-one with the God who is across the table from you, they begin to realize, I'm not gonna settle. God, whatever you have for me, I wanna keep going. God, whatever you have for me, I want more of it because I'm not just satisfied with just this moment. I want more and more. I wanna see my life become the rich and full and satisfying life that you've created me for. So I wanna keep going. I'm not settling. I am not giving the enemy one inch of my life anymore. I am not giving him a seat at my table because that does not help me. That does not move me forward. Only time knowing God, experiencing him for myself helps me. And what did Jesus say? Again, he helps us know our enemy. He tells us, he said, hey, just just so you know, local city church, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come so you may have life and have it to the full. I love our church and I love our community here. I don't want anyone to steal from you. I don't want anyone to destroy you and I definitely don't want anyone to kill you. But spiritually and emotionally, that can happen when we give the enemy a seat at our table. Spiritually and emotionally, that can begin to happen when we let his lies take root in our heart. But when you know the truth of Jesus, it can change everything. Because here's what I want you to know today. The one thing God wants for your life is to simply sit with him. The biggest lie the enemy would want to tell you is that you've got to change before you can take a seat at the table. And God says, hey, take a seat at the table. We'll figure everything else out. Take Take a seat with me and we'll figure out the rest. Just sit here and know me. Like, think about it this way. Just for a moment, you guys are going to represent the lies and voices and attacks of the enemy because there's a lot more of you than there is of me, right? You're going to represent that. Imagine if this whole crowd began to shout lies about who I am, being able to shout lies about my life and be able to try to lead me astray and get me to live in fear. If I'm focused on you, I'm going to hear those things. But just like in a crowded restaurant, when I turn my attention to the person sitting across the table from me and I realize I've just been called to sit with God and I'm hanging on every word he's saying, all this just turns to noise. It's still there, but I can't make it out. It still exists. You still exist. The enemy's still out there. But I'm so focused on what God is saying. God, you are my shepherd. I have that all that I want. You're the one that brings overflow of blessing into my life. You're the one that leads me through the valley of shadow and death. So I just want to hear from you. God, what do you have for me? Well, how how can I know you more? 
How can I give you more of my life? And everything else just begins to turn to noise. And this is where I begin to find the truth and find my life and find the very words that I can hang and build a foundation on. And it's when our focus changes. So here's what I want to do today. I want to give you three quick things as we close and the band can come out. Is this, say these things and trust God with the rest, all right? Say these things and trust God with the rest. The first thing is, I'm going to take my seat. What does Jesus say in John 16? Take heart because I've overcome the world. So there might be some power in this word take because God's given us things and we can take what's ours, right? We can take what God has given us. So I want to encourage you today, there is a seat with your name on it, so take it and sit down. You know a moment I always remember? Uh, I had to travel when I was in high school. I was meeting up with my youth group who was going on a trip, on a mission trip, and uh, I had to fly from my family vacation. And I remember I flew into the airport and one of the coolest moments of my life happened because my parents, being the amazing parents they are, I had to get from the airport to the hotel where the missions team was staying at. And so I, they, had to get, they had to reserve a car for me. Wow. Like in your, your 15-year-old in high school, whoo, this is nice. And I remember coming off the plane or coming down the escalator, whatever it was, but I remember there was a guy in one of those little hats, little suit, had my name on it, said Ryan Miller. I was like, ah, oh, yes, I am Ryan. Yes, and I, I, I love the idea that maybe some people are like, who is that? Was he famous? Let's get a, get a, get a picture with him. Yes, please, right? Because that sign had my name on it. That guy was there for me, so I better believe I'm taking that car. Walked outside, it was a limo. I gotta be honest, one of the biggest letdowns of life is thinking a limo is like really cool, and then you get in one and you're like, okay. Uh, but, but I remember getting in, I'm like, wow, this is awesome! I'm getting a limo at the airport. And it's because that guy had a sign with my name on it. And I honestly believe, again, everyone, after you get through your things of life and your travels and all those things, God's always going to be prepared waiting for you with a sign that has your name on it. And you can just choose to walk by and say, no, God, I got this. Or you can simply say, hey, that sign has my name on it. This guy looks trustworthy. So I'm just gonna go with him. And it'll lead to things you never thought possible. I'm just gonna take my seat because God's prepared this table. God's got everything that I need. So I'm just gonna sit down here and I'm gonna spend time with him. And my fear is that we would take this experience with God and once again, turn it to experience that culture says is the way to live. That's why I brought this cup. That we just it's, It becomes a to-go experience with God, right? Where we're like, all right, yeah, okay, God, this is good. Uh, you know what, let me, um, let, me take, let me get my phone out, take a picture. This looks good, nice and aesthetic. Let me get my, make sure the Bible's in the frame so people know I'm super Christian. All right, cool, take a picture. All right, post it, hashtag time with God, you know. All that. All right, let's keep okay, now on to life. Where God's saying, hey, no, 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 there's a seat here with your name on it. It's not a to-go cup. It's a big picture. means like this represents how much time God wants to spend with you. And you know, God, I'm just going to take, and I want to hear everything you have to say. I'm in no hurry, God. I just want to sit here. I want to sit with you. I want to take my seat and know more about the things that you have. You should write this down. One of the best ways to not give the enemy a seat at your table is to take the seat with your name on it. One of the best ways to not give the enemy a seat at your table is to sit down at the table God's prepared for you. And then it's not just about taking that seat. The second take is this. It's that I got to take a taste and see that God is good. You got to take a taste and see that God has some good things for your life. My fear, again, is that we have a great Sunday morning experience. The worship team's killer. The message is usually pretty good. But my fear is that that would be your taste every week. Your Sunday morning taste, and then Monday through Saturday, you're dry. You have no taste of God. 
But I want to encourage you tomorrow when you wake up and you spend time in your word and you put on that Spotify worship playlist, you for yourself can taste and see that God is good. You for yourself can see that God is who he says he is. You for yourself can see that God's got this. He can help you. He cares about you, your family, your kids, your job, your life. Taste and see what God is good. Because I can sit and say, wow, looks really nice. Never actually take a taste. Never actually cut up the steak and feed it to myself. If I, I'm 30, almost 35. If my mom's still cutting my meat at the table, something is wrong. All right? But God says, hey, take a seat, take a taste. And this is, let me, let me give you this. This is, the, this is the practical I'll close with. You gotta look at the enemy and tell him, hey, seat's taken. Seat's taken, enemy. Sorry, you don't have any place in my life anymore. It's a great scene in one of my favorite movies, Forrest Gump. Seat's taken, seat's taken. And then Jenny tells Forrest, you can sit down if you want. Nope, that does not work for the enemy. It's great for a movie, but not good for the enemy in our spiritual life. No enemy, I'm sorry. This seat's taken by me, and this seat is taken by Jesus. And that's all that gets to sit here. That's all the only place I find my identity. That's the only place I find my value. That's the only place I find truth. Because it's not my truth, it's Jesus's truth. Seat's taken, enemy. Your lies have no place here. Your condemnation, your shame, your guilt, they have no place in my life anymore because who is sitting at my table at the head of my table is the son of God and king of kings and lord of lords and his name is Jesus he is my hope he is my life he is everything that I have seats taken and it's taken by Jesus don't give the enemy a seat because your life is too valuable to be destroyed by lies don't give the enemy a seat because your potential but what you can do to make a difference on this earth because of Jesus threatens the enemy more than you could possibly know. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He's prepared a feast and a table for me, even in the presence of my enemies. That helps you today, local city church. Give me a good amen. Come on, and let, let's stand to our feet as we close today. We're going to close singing one last time, but with every head bowed and every eye closed. Thank you so much for joining us on the Local City Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just heard and allow it to go deeply into your heart. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Local City Church. Your generosity makes this podcast possible and creates life change for so many people. You can be a part of spreading this message by going to localcity.church. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this message with your family and friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you. Have a great day.